Hi there. My name is Preston Puto. Welcome to the Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. This is where we share some of our messages from Sunday mornings. So we're glad you're here to listen. We'd love for you to join us in person. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. At our core, we're a community of people. So we gather on Sundays, but we also do a lot in the week together. We are people learning to follow Jesus and love our city. So to learn more, visit lakeridgecommunity.com. Hope to check in and visit with you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. announcement um we in 2019 do you remember 2019 i didn't have a beard i was very almost pubescent at that point it was so long ago that we barely remember it but we were going to go to israel i've gone to israel several times i've taken groups there and so we were going to go and then the pandemic hit so we had to keep moving it back well we now have a date for it it's it's march of 2023 coming up and so if you want to learn about it we got this little information thing it's about what what that trip is about we go on these trips because it's, it's like a field trip. It's like learning about the land of the Bible, where Jesus came from, and it's really quite meaningful. So if this is something that's interesting to you, we have a table at the back, and it kind of gives some information about what that's about. So pretty, pretty fantastic. Okay, this is exciting. Uh, today, we are journeying through the book of Genesis together, and we're doing it with a bit of a twist. We're meeting Jesus in the book of Genesis, right? And what does that mean? What does that look look like? And so today's journey is into Genesis 2, a little bit into chapter 3, and we're talking about carrying, carrying Eden in our hearts, and what that means, and what Jesus is doing. When a man loves a woman, Swedish gravy and crispy potted plants, that is part of our series, or that's part of our sermon to today. What, why, why are we talking about Swedish gravy? You will find out. You'll have to stay, right? Okay, good. Genesis chapter 2, we are exploring what it is that God, when he made everything, he looked around and he says, that, that it was very good. He made everything, and every day he was making things, and he's saying, this is good, this is good, and then he gets to people and goes, this, this is very good, right? We're exploring what it is that God sets this table called this world that we live in, and he set this table for us, he invited us to it. And in Jesus, we learn what it is that Jesus is sitting at that table. He, he, he intends to have a conversation with us. He intends to have us there, that we would be full of his presence and his goodness. So the book of Genesis unpacks these stories, and there's a lot for us to take a look at here. So, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, God, after he made everything, he took a rest on the seventh day. He took a, he took a day off. Did you know that this is, this is part of what our faith is? And it's probably something we are going to talk about, taking a day off. <laughs> Anybody here have a really hard time taking a day off? This is the, what God did. After he made everything, he stopped, and he took a day off. And then this happened. It says, this is the account of the creation of heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not sent yet rain to water the earth, but there were, and there was no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed 
from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then divided into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire lands of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. Now, the second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. And the third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east to the land of Asher. And the fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden and to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat truly, freely of every fruit in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you're sure to die. And the Lord God said, it is not good for this man to be alone, so I'll make a helper that's just right for him. So God formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals, but there was still no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out from one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, he exclaimed, this one bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, she will be called woman, and she will be taken from, because she was taken from man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and joins to his wife, and the two are united as one. And the man and the woman and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. This is a very strange story, isn't it? <laughs> There's a lot here that we can stop and go, what is happening here? It feels both strangely familiar to us, as we talk about man and woman, okay, I'm seeing this, plants, animals, but God's making all of this and putting it into this particular place in this particular time, and it is odd to us. But it is very good. This is the whole point of this opening, is God is saying, this is good. So I want to point out some of the weird things that are really good about what we just read. In God's eyes, this is good stuff. So, one is that a man, and guess what, the, word, the Hebrew word for man is Adam, right? So, uh, Adam, later it becomes his name, his proper name, but Adam means man, and Adama means soil, right? So, God is saying, this is good, I brought a man, Adam, out of the Adama, the soil. And guess what, you and I are made of soil stuff. We have things like iron in us, right? We are carbon-based life forms, we are, we are from the ground. This is weird. And good. I'm walking along with my daughters the other day, and as I'm walking along, um, she uh, picks up something, uh, and she's like, I, I've been picking up things from nature. She has some flowers and some acorns and stuff. She's like, I have stuff from nature. And I was like, I'm from nature. She's like, no, you're not from nature. I'm like, I'm totally from nature. She's like, no, you're not. You're my dad, right? And we laughed about this, right? I'm totally from nature, right? Look at this hunky guy from straight from, from nature. We sometimes forget we are from nature. We, we are part of God's creation. We, we, we rose out of it, and God looked at that and said, this is good. We are standing on the stuff that we're actually made of, and actually, when we're done, we go back to it. This is good. God made a garden where the man lived, and it was beautiful, and it had trees, and it had delicious fruit. This is another thing. God said, this is good. God's into gardening. It's his first vocation, so I come by it honest when I'm a gardener, right? Then God, this is another thing God made, and he said it's good, but he made this thing called the tree of life and tree of knowledge of good and evil. What is this? I don't know. I'll be honest. I'm not sure. So there's a, so there's a thing that he made, but it was good. 
God made, then he made rivers. He made rivers darting in and through. And land, some had gold. He made, he made minerals. He made, he made valuable things in the earth. It's aromatic resin from trees. That makes it into the text. That stuff's good, right? He made a job for the man. He had a job. He had a task. He didn't wake up every morning. I think sometimes in the perfect life, I wouldn't have a job, right? It's me straight from bed into hammock and back into bed, right? It's not. God made and gave him work to do. He's, he's out there making something of his time. Food was free to eat. That is good. It's like a buffet, I guess. Except from this tree, whatever it is. Can't eat from that because he would die if he ate from it. This land had some dangerous things in it. It had something that if you went and touched that thing, you would die, he's saying. How could God make a world where right out of the gate, there's already dangerous things? I even think of the river. Did you know humans weren't made with gills? If you fall in that river, you will die. There are wild animals with teeth. They were in this world, and God said, it is good. I think I grew up thinking, if anything, if God made something good, there would be nothing dangerous in it. This is a dangerous world, actually. There is risk in this world God made. But he's saying it's good, so that's interesting. God made animals, and he gave them some names. I love uh, Adam, you know, would have called something a horse, and a seahorse, and a horse fly. Very creative to throw a horse in front of a whole bunch of things, right? Uh, and God probably looked and nodded and said, not my name, but okay, you can go, go ahead, Adam. Very creative, running out of things, right? God seemed to roll with it. God's okay that humans are in his world influencing his world even before the fall, right? He's saying to them, go and do things that change my world, and I'm going to be okay with that, like you naming things or you growing things, right? I like that. And then God made a woman, and I love it. The man was like, dang, right? It says it, says it there. It says, he said out loud at last, which I like to say, dang, right? Can, can you imagine? You've been there for a while. Actually, don't imagine it too, too much. But, boy, this guy, for the first time, he thought this is very good, right? Up until now, God was the one thinking it was good. But then it came to a point where now he's like, yeah, this is good. This is good. I am on side with what you're making now, right? Now you're talking my business, right? You made something very beautiful, and I'm game with this, right? What's going on here? This is a strange world, isn't it? It's strange to us, but it's normal and good to God. And it's good to pause and go, what is normal and good to God? It, it, it aches with familiarity, doesn't it? Everything about this aches with familiarity. We can picture a garden. We can picture being buck naked, running in the garden. We can, we can, we can picture this world. We can even picture maybe talking with God. After kind of meeting Jesus, we go... So Jesus and two buck naked people. This was a this was an interesting coffee time, right? Like, but it, so we can kind of picture it, but it's still so foreign to us. So what's Genesis two getting at here? When a man loves a woman, the idea of two strangers, a man and a woman getting along, united as one, it actually seems crazy to us. It actually seems really crazy. What's Genesis getting at here? She is so different from him, right? If you've been married for a while, you, you know this. Made in a different way. A distinct person. An, a totally different human. With different thoughts. Different ways of interacting with the world. Different ideas. And yet, similar enough that his jaw dropped when he saw her and said, she's the one. 
She's equal to, to, to me. She's made of the same stuff. She's like me. She is a partner to me. Right out of the gate, we have two different people who are both somehow united, and it makes a point of talking about the unity between these two. We kind of get it. We go, I get it, but that might not be my experience. <laughs> I've been around people who are different than me, and I don't like it, right? It's challenging to be around different people, but I really want to be around somebody, right? We have this ache inside of us, this ache for Eden. More than that, right out of the gate, he gets really poetic. I like this. So when a man falls in love, he's, he's all about roses are red and violets are blue, right? Right out of the gate, he's, he's down on one knee. He's like, bone of bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, you know? And he's just like, and she's like, this is going to be great, you know? I, I got a poet. I'm stuck in a garden with a poet, right? But right out, he is just, he's just overwhelmed and he's poetic about that. That he sees that they are connected in this way. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We are two people, but we're also one. And God's like, yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? I'm making a good thing here. And we don't quite get our heads around it. They're perfect together. Imagine what it would have been like to stand there, staring at each other. We can almost imagine. Some soul-level longing for this is preserved in us. We can hear Adam in his wow, and it ripples across time. We still carry that deep in us, especially as men, right? We carry that in us, the sense of, wow, we know the feeling, the tingle of it all. It's a good feeling, right? But we also know that there's something that lingers beyond the feeling, and it's not what we understand. Mike Mason, I would recommend if you're married, it's called a book called The Mystery of Marriage. I turn to it when I don't know what the heck I'm doing, because I'm like, what am I doing married? This is a weird thing, Right? So it's all marked up because i got to figure this thing out. I, I'm with a different person every day, and she, bless her soul, has to be with me every day, right? And Mike Mason, he, he, he names the weirdness of this thing called being together with a different person who's also supposed to be like you and with you. He says this, Most marriages are invaded sooner or later by the suspicion that the partner, or that the partners may have very little in common beyond the simple fact that they are both human beings and that they happen to love each other, or at least they thought they did at one time. And it can be a very great shock for a couple to discover how quickly romantic love is exhausted, how little they really know or understand one another, how deeply estranged it is, uh, it is possible to become for the person you thought you were closest to. Even a taste of such, a, such estrangement can be enough to fill a couple with fear and to plunge them into permanent grief over having made such a poor choice of partner? Why couldn't they have chosen someone with whom they had a little bit more natural affinity? And yet it is the fundamental, um, uh, the fundamental apartness, this same sense of nothing else in common but human flesh itself, and the primal attraction between man and woman that is the very strength of a marriage, and the experience to which the relationship must constantly return for nourishment. For it is right here in the mystery of love that the mystery of love can best be discerned and known. This is the soil in which love thrives, a rich, black, mysterious loam of total darkness in which nothing else will grow. How else can true love be truly known except when it's separated from everything that is like it, from all forms of natural attraction? A marriage lives paradoxically upon almost impossible times when it's perfectly clear that the two partners 
to the two partners that nothing else but pure sacrificial love can hold them together. (laughs) What an interesting thing. God, right from the beginning, was like, I'm going to put two different people together, and this is a perfect way of doing things. In a dangerous world, lovers in a dangerous time, there's a river over there, there's a tree over there, you fall in that, you die, you eat this fruit, you die, you're buck naked, you're underneath the stars, things are crazy, this is awesome, this is good, and we're like, what? It's good to name how strange Genesis opens up, what's going on here? Well, further down, we read that this God, who's walking in the garden with his creation, with his people, who he can talk to, they're made in his image, there's a relationship possible there that isn't possible with the animals. He's talking with them, and that relationship's whole. The relationship between these two very different people are united in this way, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, they're connected but different, but they're also in right relationship, and they're in right relationship with the land around them. All the factors are working. And then something happens, right? The whole point of this is that this is about to break down. We read in Genesis 3 that it breaks down between this different God who is able to be close enough to walk and this different man and this different woman who are close enough to be united in this wow moment. All three are used to this right relationship and it's good and it's possible in spite of the rest, but it fell apart quickly. And it happened with an accuser that came in. The snake comes on in and he's called the Satan, which is a word for the accuser. It's the one that comes along and goes, oh, you can't have a right relationship with God. You can't have a right, who's this person here? You can't have a right, what, God told you not to eat this thing? And in it comes all these doubts. The way you were meant to be human, that isn't right. It's not good. It's not going to work out for you to work like this. It's not going to work out for you to trust God. I'm going to accuse you. I'm, I'm going to tell you that there's another way. And it, there is another way. It's their own way. And they took it. <laughs> and everything fell apart. I'm going to butcher this. Where's my Swedes in the house? Allemansgraten. Have you seen this before? This is Swedish gravy. I don't know. Have you been to Ikea, right? Ikea... This is the only reason why we go to Ikea, because I can't build anything there. But this is it. Allemansstraten, it is the Ikea gravy. This is, any, anybody here like this stuff? You put it on the potatoes. It is delicious. But I love what they've named it. They've given it because they give Swedish words to things. Uh, it, is, it is a word. It's, it's actually a Swedish word. I looked it up, and it means it's everyone's right to field, forest, and a fine meal with a savory sauce. Isn't that hilarious? Leave it to the Swedes to have words for these things, Right? It is a longing in my mind for Eden, right? If you are like, I, I want to have my own place. I want a field I can look out with a back against some trees, a forest. I want a good meal. I want some Swedish gravy. I, I want a slice of heaven, right? I want something good. And you two, for $1.99, can buy it at Ikea, right? For a moment, for a wee moment, you can have a taste of heaven yourself. And I made it, and it was very good, you know? It was very good. I like, if, if you know me, we often joke on our staff meetings that we look back over Preston's um, internet search history, and they will just say, Preston, what have you been looking up recently? And so we look back, and it's hilarious. I should just, like, regularly post the things I'm searching on the internet, because it's, like, all in front of me. I'm like, at any moment, I can find these things, right? It's wonderful. I love looking at cabins in the woods. 
okay? Like, I look at cabins in the woods a lot. I know I'm probably never going to get one, but I love looking at it because in me, it's, it's like this idea, this, it's this picture of like Eden, right? One day, it can just be me in a cabin with some Aleman Stratton poured over my stuff, and I'm going to be a happy man, right? We long for Eden. I think sometimes we long for Eden, and when we leave Eden, we want to carry a piece with us, right? We carry a piece with us. We, we, have, we, we can't be in Eden because we aren't listening to God, but we have a slice of it in us, in the form of gravy maybe, or maybe for you, you carry a potted plant around with you like this, right? Your life is a potted plant, a taste of Eden, and you carry it around and you protect it. And you protect it from God. God's like, hey, I see you carrying around a little plant there. I made that, and I know all about it. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I made you, and I, and I made your desire for, for Eden, and you're carrying it around, Preston. Come on over. Let, let me look at it. It looks dry and crispy. That's not going to live very long. No, right? We say no to God. We go, no, 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 no. This, this is all I got left, God. This is all I got left is my little potted plant with my little thing. It's my little slice of Eden. It's my dream of having some gravy and maybe a cabin in the woods. I'm going to work my life for it. And so don't touch it. Because God, if you touch my little slice of Eden, you're going to wreck the little thing. That it, like, let me have my dream of Eden, right? And so we carry it. And God's like, that's really crispy. You don't know how to water that thing. If you did this and that, and he's speaking over us, and we're like, no, 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 don't talk to me. You're going to wreck what, this is all I got. Or we enter into a relationship with somebody who we love, and we come down, and if you've been in a relationship, I talk about the great purge of 2008. That's when I married Kelly, right? She looked in my closet and got rid of everything, right? All of it. I married her, and promptly, all my stuff was gone. She thought she was being nice because she bought me a little, um, a little wooden chest. And she said to me, um, you can keep whatever you want to keep in the chest. Everything else is gone, right? This is her looking over and going, oh, you think that your bachelor pad way of living is going to resist? No, right? I'm about to purge, right? And it was scary because guess what? She's looking at my little taste of Eden and she's looking over and going, that's not looking very good. It can be better. And so we do this in our marriages and in our faith is we hold our hopes and dreams of Eden apart. They're God-given so that we know that there's something truthful about them, but we hold them back and we don't want anybody to touch it. And so we walk around with a crispy potted plant and we think that we have a taste of Eden. Jesus, as he was talking to people in John 4, he comes across a woman at the well. Evan preached on this a few Sundays ago, but he comes to this woman at the well, and she is holding onto her potted plant. She is literally coming to a well looking for some water. She has to come in the daytime, away from everybody else, and she is the epitome of what is being separated here in the book of Genesis. She's mad because she can't go to the temple and talk to God. The temple's in Jerusalem, and guess who can't go to Jerusalem? Uh, these Samaritans, right? So they don't have a way to go down to the main temple. They have to do some of their own worship in another way. And she's mad at this Jewish man, mad at this rabbi who is there. I can't go talk to God the way you can, right? 
her separation from God is, is palpable. I'm apart from God. She and Jesus comes in and she's, and she's livid, right? She's holy. She's like, I have this little bit of relationship with God. Don't you come in here, you Jewish man, and tell me what to do with this relationship that I have with God. Back off. And he leans in again and says, says to her, prophetically, says to her, you had five husbands. And you're in a sixth relationship that you're not married to. You can imagine, she's like, what? A, how do you know that? And B, you're being rude again, right? I know I can't hold relationships together, right? She is living out this longing to be in right relationship with the other person, but she's been through husband after husband after husband, and it's just not worked. And she's got her dry, crispy little plant hoping to pull up some water to somehow commune with God wherever you are and commune with others. They all are rotten, and she's there at the well, and she meets Jesus. She has to go to work to get the water. There's no rivers here. Jesus encounters her. And guess what he says? He says, if you knew the water that I'd be giving you, you would have all that you need. I can water that. I can be the source of life. She's so moved by this. It might be hard for us to understand, but she's so moved by this that she runs to town and tells everybody that she met the person who knows how to live, who knows how to be a human. Jesus, he is putting Eden back together again in every person that he's meeting. He's taking their potted plant and saying, I know where this goes. I know how it fits. And you have no water for it, but if you give it to me, I can do something about it because I know how to live. I'm the creator, but I know how to be the true human. I know how to be Adam. He is making a new garden and a new people who could love God and their neighbor again. They can go down the street and they can see the other. You live on a street with a whole bunch of others. And guess what? You can lock your door and be done. But the Christian faith that we share together says you unlock your door because you have something that you know about who God is and what God is showing us to be and what he's made possible that you can go to the other, not only in your home, the person you sleep beside every night, but actually you can go down and know the other who lives down your street too. So Jesus is saying this, he, and over and over, you read the book of John. Jesus says he's a river of life. No more carrying around your dried house plants. Your life can be rooted in a river that is always watering your life. You can plant a garden in him. You can take your potted house plant, uproot it, and put it in him. And it's not going to shrivel. It's not going to lack water. If you put your life into Jesus, you are going to have what you need. But you're going to need Jesus to look over and put his, dig his hands in and pull it out and say, I got a better place for this. Do you trust me? <laughs> This is the putting to eat and back together again, is us putting our life back into him again. That's why the scriptures always talk about being living in Christ. Think of your plants going into his garden, into his sunroom, and being with him. Jesus says he's the good shepherd, we're not alone. Jesus, he walks on water because he can calm storms. Creation is in his control. He's the son of God. He was there from the start. Are you afraid of death? He raises Lazarus from the dead, and he raises from the dead. And he, we have an Easter morning promise. 
Are you wondering if you'll have a home, a place to live in the future? God says that he is our home, Jesus is our home, and this time we have a mansion with him in heaven too. I have here, this was, uh, this was a piece of my apple tree. <laughs> Kids were probably running by it, and I saw it yesterday hanging off from a little thread off of it. And it's just a little stick of my apple tree. Did you know that Jesus says in John 15, he talks about being the vine and the branches. The vine being the main trunk of the tree and the branches being the pieces going off. And he puts it like this. He says, he says uh, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you take your little branch and you attach it to the tree, it will grow and produce the fruit of that tree. If I was smart enough, I could, if I had the skills, I could take this little piece of twig stick that's a few hours busted off my tree, and we could graft it back to the tree, and it would grow and get everything it needs and produce fruit again. This is a, Jesus uses all these garden metaphors because guess what? He's a gardener, right? He's like, I can water you. You can be grafted into me. You do not have to live carrying your hope of Eden around as a dried, crusty plant, hoping to get what you want in the end. Give it to me. Give it back to me. That longing for Eden inside of you, that's given to you for a reason, because God actually wants the good things to happen that you want. He's just tired of you holding your, your little plant, hoping you will get it that way. 1 Corinthians 15.21 talks about this. He says, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, that's Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun, has begun through another man. Paul says, just as everyone dies because all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life, right? This is what Jesus is saying. If you belong to Christ, if you belong and are fused into the tree, you will be given new life. You experience death because you are human, but the true human, the true Adam, has a place for you in him. Jesus is inviting us today, I think. In this Genesis story, I think there's an invitation here. An invitation to wrestle with what it is that's dried in us. The dried potted plant, the hope that we have. Do we believe that God will water it? Or do we listen to the accuser who says, you cannot trust God will take your crispy potted plant and he'll throw it out. He'll be done with it. Question. Question from the audience. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, man. I'm so glad that you have a new host too. Are you excited about that? I'm glad you have a new host too. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, you have a good story. It's been a good, it's been a good week, hasn't it? Awesome. See? God is always loving us, making a place for us, making a home for us in, in him. So I don't know what it is today that, that you feel like you are running solo. Maybe you have a dream that you're fighting towards and hoping God will somehow match you in it. I hope today that you will realize that you carry that Eden potted plant and that the gardener made it and he made we are safe in him. Our journey towards Jesus is just saying yes to giving our potted plant over to him and saying, can we trust him? 
Are we afraid that he will not do what he's going to do? Friends, I think that we're going to be on a journey as followers of Jesus over this next while to see if God can do these things. Can God take our broken relationships that we have, that are frayed, where we live with this other person, or with the other people on our street, can we believe that God can make a garden out of that again? Can we believe that God can relate to us and walk with us again as though Jesus is walking with his disciples? Can we believe that? This is the hope of Jesus, that he is going to do that. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this garden. This garden that you've, uh, this story that you've given us and that we have the ache of Eden in our hearts. Even in our gravy, we long for something good. But Lord, we confess to you that we have gone out holding and clutching onto our little slice of Eden, hoping to fulfill it ourselves. And in the process, wrecking relationships with others and with you. Because we just want to protect what you've given us. Father, I pray that you would give us the eyes to see what it is to live open-handedly with you and come to you and say, Jesus, we trust that you are the one who gives life. Thank you that you came as the new human, the good human, the true human to step in because we can't be human very well ourselves. So may we be grafted into you. May we as followers of Jesus just find our life in you as you promised. May we celebrate all the very good things. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit working in us. Pray for Lake Bridge Community Church. I pray that this would be a place of people grafting into Jesus and discovering the fruit of what that life is in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand with me. If you want to go to Ikea, I'm sure that they have a special over there on the gravy, right? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. May you take your slice and hope for Eden and give it to him. I think he wants to do a good thing in you and in us. Amen? Amen. Have a good week, everybody. Happy Father's Day, dads. Take care. Would you like? Would you like my little... Um,